Uh, Mark chapter 9. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture. Um, it's, it's, I'm picking up where Jesus, Peter, James and John have come down from the mountain where Jesus was transfigured and Elijah and Moses appeared to, uh, to them. And they come down off the mountain and they encounter something that I think we can learn a lot from. And in verse 14, we read, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd gathering or surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit uh, that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but the evil spirit saw Jesus and it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I can identify with that man, can't you? I I believe. I believe God can do anything. I believe God can break chains of bondage. I believe God heals bodies today. I believe God sets people free from all kinds of oppressive things. I believe he can, but what I struggle with at times is will he? And I think that's what we all struggle with if we were really honest with ourselves. Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion And left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. I chose this passage because it doesn't include fasting. I don't like fasting and Some gospels say only by prayer and fasting. This one says only by prayer. So I thought I won't be too hard on you today. But in Acts chapter fourteen, we um, we read an account of Paul and Barnabas travelling back to the churches that they had established. And in verse twenty-two of Acts fourteen, they travel back to those churches for the purpose of strengthening the souls of the disciples exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. We must, through many 
trials. We must, through many challenges, enter the kingdom of God. I think, however, many of us have made the mistake of giving up the pursuit of the intervening power of God into our circumstances. Many of us have resigned ourselves to battles and struggles and challenges and sickness and bondage. And we have, I, I think, and I, I've certainly been guilty of this, I have excused my heart of unbelief by resigning myself to the fact that what I'm currently facing is just one of those tribulations through which I am to enter the kingdom of heaven. I believe we have shortchanged ourselves and we have, have ripped ourselves off, if you like, from so many invading moments of kingdom power and, and breakthrough in our life because we have adopted a false theology that says many of the things Jesus actually came to break off our life, we've now embraced as a tribulation through which we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to say to you very boldly this morning, bondage and addiction is not a tribulation through which you are to enter the kingdom of heaven. Sickness and disease is not a tribulation through which we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. Emotional and mental torment, things like depression and anxiety and fear and worry and stress and pressure, they, they are not tribulations through which we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. Marital breakdown, relationship breakdown, they are not things that we are called to tolerate in our life. We are called to stand up and enforce a victory that Jesus provided for us on the cross and live as more than conquerors over the things that the devil is trying to destroy us with. Jesus came in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest. You won't get it any clearer. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest. To what? Destroy the works of of the evil one. And everywhere that Jesus went, you read in the gospel so many times, everywhere he went, he healed all of their diseases. Life, joy, healing, wholeness, salvation, breakthrough are all things that belong to the born again Christian, bought for and paid for by Jesus on the cross. I believe with all my heart that the tribulations and the challenges through which we are to enter the kingdom of heaven are the ones that come through the simple fact that we live in a world positioned in the middle of a conflict, a conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There will always be, wherever God is moving, the presence of evil. This side of eternity until the devil is finally dealt with by the, the great end time uh, glorious invasion of God upon the planet. Until the devil is dealt with in the midst of all that God is doing in my life, in your life, evil will always be present. 
He will always be prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He will always be looking for an opportunity to gain a foothold in our life so that he can influence us away from God rather than towards God. That's the many trials through which we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. Paul did not say we wrestle not. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And we wrestle day in and day out because there is a devil out there who comes to kill, kill, steal and destroy as much as there is a saviour who wants to give us life. But it's a fight and a battle for the life that Jesus purchased for us because while ever we are breathing on this planet and walking with our two feet on the ground, there will always be an opposition against us. That's the tribulation and the trial through which we are to enter the kingdom of God. <coughs> 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 tells us that these same sufferings that Paul talks about or Luke talks about in the book of Acts, these same sufferings are experienced by the whole church throughout the whole world. When the Bible speaks about heaven being a place where there is no more pain, where there is no more tears, where there is no more suffering, no more death, it's a place where we can finally put down our weapons and finally stop the conflict and stop the resistance of the, the, you know, the devil. <laughs> James says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's the conflict. There's the tribulation. It's that constant fighting and resisting against an oppressive enemy that wants to bring uh, depression and fear and worry and anxiety into our life. But we have to constantly lift our eyes and fix them on Jesus that we will get through the storm and get through the challenge and get through the tribulation and eventually arrive in heaven on the other side as overcomers in life. But until that time comes, we need to rise up and fight for our God-given, born-again birthright. The context of our passage this morning is interesting. In Mark chapter 9, because it's a flow-on of the learning curve that the disciples have been on up to this point. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus empowers them he calls them together and he, he, he has the 12 at this point. There was another time he sent 70 out, but he pulls the 12 together in Mark chapter 6 and he empowers them with delegated authority. He says, you've watched me heal the sick. You've watched me cast out devils. You've watched me deal with things that the enemy is trying to destroy mankind with. I now delegate that same power to you. And he's teaching them and training them that the things that I do, you can do as well. And then he sends them out in pairs. It's never good to operate alone. It's always good to go with somebody. It's always good to have someone you can be accountable to, somebody you can bounce things off, somebody who you can encourage them, they can encourage you. But he sends them out in pairs. And an amazing thing happens. They see demons cast out. They see bodies healed. They see lives changed. They see oppression lift. The power of heaven is all over these men as they walk out fulfilling the word that Jesus spoke over their life. What I did, you will do also. And we see that in Mark chapter 6. They begin to operate in delegated power and they see incredible results. Then in Mark chapter 8, only two chapters later, they well, first in Mark chapter 6, they also participate in the feeding of the 5,000. 
which is an amazing thing in itself. They go out, they heal the sick, they cleanse lepers, they open blind eyes, they, they, they cast out devils, they see amazing things. When they come back, a great crowd has gathered and Jesus challenges them and said, feed them. And then they say an interesting thing, with what? We haven't got anything. So what have you been doing for the last few days? You, you have far more in you than you realise. Yeah, but we haven't got any physical food. All you need is the power of heaven. You've just been out seeing great things take place because I gave you delegated authority. They think I'm telling you to do something you can't do? You feed them. And they're going, what are we going to feed them with? And then, of course, they bring the five loaves of bread and the two fish and Jesus blesses them. You know, don't ever do anything until Jesus blesses it. But Jesus blessed the, the, the bread and the fish. He begins to break it. He gives it to the disciples because they're still on a learning curve. He wants them to feed them. So he breaks it, hands it to them, and they, they hand it out. And as they hand it out, it multiplies at their fingertips. Amazing miracle. Then in Mark chapter 8, they again participate in another miracle of food distribution where 4,000 people are fed. 5,000 in Mark chapter 6, 4,000 in Mark chapter 8. And the disciples are learning constantly about kingdom life and principles and about the power of God that is available to those who will just believe. To those who will just trust God, you said it, I believe it, that settles it. I'll stand on it and I will fight tooth and nail till I get the victory because Jesus, you died for me on the cross and you've empowered me. I will not lie down while ever there's breath in my lungs and the Holy Spirit is with me. I will fight through and I will overcome every single obstacle that presents itself to block me from becoming who God has called me to become. But here in chapter 9, having already confronted and having evicted demonic forces in chapter 6 and having seen great miracles in chapter 8, they're now face to face with a principality, a demonic entity, a demonic spirit that, that appears to have really bunkered in and is showing no signs of being unsettled by their attack. I, I, I think that would have fascinated me. What's, what's, what's wrong here? What, 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 am I, what am I doing wrong here? Like two chapters ago, I was casting out devils and they, they responded to my word. They, they bowed when I looked them in the eye and I spoke with authority. They, they bowed and I, I saw people healed and restored. And what, what, What's the blockage here? What's the problem here? Why am I not getting a breakthrough? And the temptation I think that I've faced in my walk is when I've faced those ones that really bunker in, oh, this must be one of those tribulations that I am to enter the kingdom of heaven. This thing's just not moving. I've fasted. I've prayed. I've, I've prayed every prayer I can think of. I've read Smith Wigglesworth's books. I've done everything I can do, but this thing's not This must be one of those tribulations. Mark chapter 9, verse 18 says, Whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. I can identify with these guys so much. You know, I have so much weakness in myself. I have so much frailty in myself. And I, I can identify when, when you, you, you hit hard at something and it doesn't move. You, you try and move something and it won't budge. I, 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 can, I can identify with this. No matter what you seem to do, that, that thing just won't, won't let go. But let me challenge you this morning. No matter what your apparent lack of breakthrough looks like, don't ever give up. 
Don't ever give up. Don't ever resign yourself to a false theology that, that says this must be one of those tribulations through which I'm to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not. It's not. Jesus provides the reason for the confronting strength and the resistance of that thing. In verse 28 and 29, we read afterward when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? I reckon I would have asked that too. Maybe I would have said, is this one of those tribulations? Do we just accept this? Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. I, I, I think they would have prayed. Don't you? This kind can be cast out only by prayer. So are there kinds that can be cast out without praying? I, I, I think... I find some of this stuff fascinating and I think we read over stuff like this so quickly and we miss some nuggets of truth and some life-changing truth that Jesus is wanting us to grasp if we will just focus and think about it. Jesus said this kind can be cast out only by prayer. But when you stop and you, you, you read that line over and over, you, you can change it a little bit, but it still says the same thing. This kind can be cast out, but only by prayer. This kind can be cast out. This kind can be cast out, is what he's saying. This kind, there, there isn't a kind that can't be cast out. This kind can be cast out, but only by prayer. You are not stuck with it. It will just take a little bit more grunt, a little bit more tenacity, a little bit more faith fight than perhaps you've had to put in in the past. This thing will move, whether it moves immediately or whether it takes a bit of time. The inference in Scripture is that there are ranking levels of demonic entities in the unseen realm around us. Some are stronger than others. Some have more power than others. That's the inference of Scripture. And I believe with all my heart that the degree of the power, the pack of our punch when it comes to spiritual breakthrough and authority comes down to the level of my intimacy with my Saviour. I can be somebody who goes to church regularly. I can be somebody who even reads a chapter of the Bible regularly. I can be somebody who fellowships with Christians outside of church regularly, but I can be all those things but have no great degree of intimacy with my Saviour. I can, and you've heard me say this numerous times, I can be in church but not be in Christ. And the degree to which I am in Christ determines the level of the power that I have in my spiritual authority over those obstacles, those challenges, those attacks, those mountains that the enemy brings across my path to block me. You know, I, Jesus came off the mountain and he said, this kind can be cast out, but only by prayer. He then casts it out. He didn't pray. I thought you just said it can only be cast out by prayer. You just went and did it. Oh, so you do have more power than what we have. No, he said, greater things than I do, you will do also. He came as a man. He laid aside his divinity. 
And everything that he did, we can do also through the power of the Holy Spirit. He did not pray. He said this kind can be cast out only by prayer. He then cast it out without praying. No, what he did have was a spiritual bank account where he had spent hour after hour after hour in intimacy with his father. He had a relationship with his father that was constant. He would get up early in the morning before the day would even start. He would go out to a lonely place. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 is one reference of that. He would go out before his disciples would even get out of bed and he would spend time with his father and he would listen to the voice of his father and he would wait upon the presence and the enabling, the anointing, the power of his father before he faced his next day. He drew on a spiritual bank account where he was constantly living in the presence of his father. He was constantly communing with his father. He was constantly connected with heaven so that when the devil read his head in that moment, he had enough power and enough grunt under his bonnet that he could deal with anything. And so can we. So can we. If we will just get alone with our Father, if we will just be intimate and build that kind of relationship, constant periods of time spent with the Lord in prayer, in praise, in worship, is essential preparation for those kinds of confrontations in life. You know, the devil has tried to take me out numerous times. And I am still flabbergasted as to how I'm still standing. Because I'm not a tough nut. Some people might disagree with that. But I just don't think I'm a tough guy. I just don't think I'm... I, 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 it's just simply been, I just keep looking to Jesus. I just keep trusting Jesus. I, maybe I've been naive in my relationship with Jesus. But the Bible says, unless I come to him with childlike faith and that simple trust and belief, God, if you're for me, who can be against me? You are with me. You're guiding me. You're directing me. You're helping me. God, this thing's about to destroy me. Can you help me? And he did it every time. He did it every time. I suppose I, I got to be a little bit like Peter where, where Jesus said, will you leave me also? And, and Peter said, where will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And I suppose I got to that point. I can't do this anymore, but where will I go? I don't want to do one moment on this planet without Jesus because I've tasted and I've seen the power and the anointing and the strength and the provision of God in my life. And at the times where I've felt like he's not there and I've felt the pain so intense and I've felt the challenge too hard to bear and the burden too hard to bear, it's like he just comes through every single time and I think, God, I've tasted what you can do and I'm going to see it again. And every time I've done that, he's come through again. I don't know whether I'm making a lot of sense here this morning, but you know, until Jesus returns, we will continue to face times and seasons of struggle, of irritation, of disappointment, of setback, of uncertainty, but they do not have to be times and seasons of disillusionment and discouragement. Isaiah chapter 62 paints a very good picture. You know, when we face challenge and we face struggle and we face disappointment, rather than them being times of disappointment and discouragement, 
I've, I've learned in my own walk with the Lord that if I will make those times of setback and pain and struggle, if I will make those times in my, my journey, times of intimacy with Jesus, times of adoration, times of eruptions of praise in my life, or I will bring a sacrifice of praise. You know, it's an interesting statement, bring a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice costs something. A sacrifice is painful. A sacrifice, it's when you lay down something that is precious to you. You, you give up something that is dear to you. and you, you la- It's a sacrifice. And the Bible terms praise a sacrifice. When I'm feeling disappointed by God, when I'm feeling failed, when I'm feeling betrayed, when I'm feeling abandoned, when I'm struggling with all of those things, it's a sacrifice for me to lift my hands and say, I love you, Jesus. It's a sacrifice of praise, but if I will take those moments of setback and disappointment and I will turn them into times of drawing into the presence of Jesus, and even if I don't feel his presence, I'll just sing. I'll just worship. I'll just praise. I'll just adore him. Isaiah 62 paints an interesting end-time picture of the city of Zion, the city of Jerusalem, a city that will become the community of the redeemed. And in this chapter, Isaiah is describing the magnificent things that the Lord will unfold upon this troubled city as a result of the coming Messiah. Two chapters previous in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 18, we read that Zion, the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, they will call her walls salvation and her gates praise. Watch this. Let me show you something really fascinating. That's Isaiah chapter 60, the Old Testament. They will call her walls salvation and the gates of Zion they will call praise. In Revelation chapter 21, the second last chapter of the entire Bible, we read again of this amazing end time city. And in verse 21, we see something again of the gates of praise where we discover that each gate, there's 12 of them, each gate has been made out of a single solid pearl. Follow me. Stay with me. What, you'll get something really fascinating here. They'll call her walls salvation and her gates praise. And then we read in Revelation 21, those same gates, the gates of praise, have all been made out of a single solid pearl. Think on that for a moment. How is a pearl formed? A pearl is formed inside of an oyster. And the only reason a pearl forms inside of an oyster is because a grain of sand or dirt or something, a foreign body has got inside of the oyster shell and begun to irritate. And to protect itself from harm, the oyster out of its divinely impregnated DNA forms a pearl around the grain of sand to stop that grain of sand doing harm. The Bible's pairing of praise and irritation is not coincidental. When we are stuck in a conflict where the breakthrough seems so far from view, when we're stuck in a battle 
And yet in the middle of that intensity, the pain, the struggle, the disappointment, if we will praise him without manipulation, we are responding in a way that I believe will produce something spectacular in our life. The gates are called gates of praise. They're made out of a single pearl because irritation has come and praise has been the weapon that's been released to overcome the attack, the bondage, the, the challenge, the obstacle, the oppression, whatever it is the enemy is trying to do in our life, if we will open a gate of praise in our life in the middle of the challenge, if we will just stop. We were in Nazareth only a few weeks ago and I, I remember... Uh, the story where Jesus read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and they were offended and they were angry and they took him to the edge of the cliff in Nazareth and it is a very, very hilly village. They took him to the edge of the cliff to throw him down. They, they outnumbered him. Their intention was to throw him down. We then read an interesting thing, but Jesus turned and walked through the midst of them and went on his way. How did that happen? How, how did that happen? Because all you've got to do is stop. Keep your eyes on the Father. And no matter what is coming in at you, no matter what's blasting at you, you can just keep walking in the direction that he's calling you to and you just keep your eyes on him and you open a gate of praise in your life. A pearl will be formed. Praise changes the atmosphere in our life and it produces breakthrough. Every single time. In the moment of praise and in the moment of adoration, a gate is formed in our life. And it's a gate that allows the King of glory to come in. If only we would do it more often. But too often we allow our emotions, our disappointment, our frustration to just throw our hands in the air? How can God promise to heal me when I've got sickness invading my body all the time? How can God promise to provide for my needs when I'm still unemployed? How can God promise? That is not a gate of praise. That's a gate of complaint. And I, I don't think we, and I'm glad we don't live in the dispensation of the days of Moses. But you remember what happened when God's people just complained? The ground opened up and swallowed a lot of them. We don't want gates of complaint in our life. We want gates of praise, gates of adoration, so that the King of glory can come in. God inhabits the praises of His people. We've got to be people that lift our voice in adoration and praise to God in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the disappointment. Call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Psalm 87 verse 2 says, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Why? Because God loves our praise. He loves our praise. He loves the fact that we will take our eyes off the devil, we'll take our eyes off the problem and we'll fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, I don't know why I'm going through this stuff, but I'm going to keep watching you. I'm going to keep following you. I will come through the valley of the shadow of death. I will come out the other side. I will fulfill the call and the destiny of God upon my life. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> 
got to open a gate of praise in our life. When your wife's nagging at you all the time, praise. <laughs> I don't have a nagging wife. <laughs> that gate, that place of praise in the middle of the conflict, let me tell you something. It's where his presence is found. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. That gate of praise is where his presence is found. And that gate is formed in our life when we move above the situation and into a place of trust. This kind can be cast out, but only by prayer. And I don't think he means I just have to pray an hour a day. Prayer is a two-way communication of intimacy with heaven. Prayer is not a ritual. Prayer is something that can happen in the quietness of your lounge chair. It's something that can happen in the car. It's something that can happen in the shower. It's something that can happen when you're mowing the lawn. It's something that can happen when you're at work, going through whatever it is, when you're just God conscious and you're just, Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power. God, I praise you. I exalt you above every circumstance in my life. I declare your goodness. I declare your greatness. You are actively changing the atmosphere in your life and you are actually empowering your innermost being with strength you're creating a gate for the power of God to come in and guess what he'll come in in his time and make all things beautiful he always does he always does Father I pray this morning that you would help us all Lord to build gates of praise every day in our life that we will build gates of love and adoration and intimacy and moments of being just in your presence because we just want to be with you. Not because we want something, not because we need something, but we just want you. I pray, Lord, that as we fill our homes with praise, as we fill our cars with praise, as we fill our hearts with praise, Lord, we begin to see works of the devil destroyed in our life. We begin to see those kinds coming out because of our spiritual bank account that's been enriched through the gates of praise. Father, we love you. We adore you. We ask today that your Holy Spirit would hover across this meeting. Just while your eyes are closed right now, your heads are bowed. Maybe you've come into the meeting today and you... You don't know what it is to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. Maybe you've come into the meeting, it's the first time you've ever been in a meeting like this. And you don't know what it is to actually walk and talk with God. That, that can change for you today. Maybe you've been coming for some time and, and maybe you kind of feel like you could be one of those people that are in church, but you're not really in Christ. That can change today. By simply opening your heart and sincerely saying, Jesus, I don't want to walk another moment in my life without you. I don't want to do another moment. I don't want to make another decision without you. That can all change today. 
But if you're in the meeting today and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never invited Him into your heart as your Lord and your Saviour, and you'd like to do that this morning, I, I, I don't know whether there is anybody here or not, but if there is, while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want you right now, right where you're sitting, just lift your hand. I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it, you can put it down again. Thank you. Someone else, you want Jesus Christ to sit on the throne of your life and truly taste and see that he is good. Father, I pray this morning for every heart that is yearning for you, every heart that, that just wants to be empowered like Jesus was empowered, to be empowered like those early disciples with the anointing that breaks the yoke and sets the captives free. I pray, Lord, today that you would come in like a flood. You'd set up a standard against the enemy. And Lord, you'd draw us to yourself and help us to open those gates of praise that we might live above and not beneath, more than conquerors through you who loves us dearly and gave yourself for us. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.